Welcome to the Holistic Way podcast. I'm your host, Nikki, aka Dominique, founder of the Holistic Way, holistic life coach, and yoga teacher. I hope you'll join me weekly as we discuss holistic approaches, fresh perspectives, and non negotiable self compassion. Understanding is empowering, and self kindness is the new sexy. It is my mission to introduce to you new ways to work with your mind, body, and emotions rather than against them to create long-term results with more ease and fun. Hey beautiful listeners, I would like to welcome you for this week's episode with the beautiful Jambaliki, where we will talk about trauma and trauma-informed practices. I would like to give a very warm welcome to my guest today. Her name is Jem. She is a coach and a movement teacher who uses somatic-based methods to help her clients reconnect with themselves to find more joy and pleasure in their lives. Jem is also the owner of a sexual wellness brand, Her Body, that empowers women to take control of their sexual well-being And at the center of what GEM offers is a trauma-informed approach, hoping to ignite positive change within the coaching, yoga, and sexual wellness industries. Welcome, GEM. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and to have this conversation with you today. Yes, amazing. And I believe it's a very important one. So I'm very excited for today's episode. So I'd like Mm. to start the podcast episode by asking you to share a little bit about your journey, how you came to do the beautiful work you're doing, and just anything you'd like to share with the audience. Mm, Yeah, thank you so much. So, you know, I kind of, I don't not struggle with this question, but I, it's a question that I never really know how to answer because there's never, there's not like a defining moment that happened in my life where I can pinpoint that kind of changed everything, you know? Um, I've been teaching yoga for a number of years when I was living in Hong Kong, working as a designer. I started to um, practice yoga a lot and then I moved into teaching and As I started to move into teaching, oh, and just deepening my practice of yoga, I realized how it was really transforming my life um, and how, you know, my perception of everything was changing. My perception to the connection to myself changed. And um, so really everything I do now has stemmed from yoga, stemmed from this path. I started to explore sexual wellness, um, which is how the birth, which is how body was kind of birth. And in relation to starting work, um, starting to work not with trauma, but from a trauma sensitive perspective, um, that kind of came about because I was very deeply observing the way that I would show up in, in the wellness space as a coach, as a yoga practitioner. And I was also observing how other people would show up. And I realized that there weren't enough spaces that acknowledged the nuances of everyone's lived experience. And I felt that it 
started to become a very dangerous place to be for a lot of people. And I guess that's kind of where my fascination, I suppose, with trauma, um, trauma healing kind of came about. Um, and I started to study it and I started to really realize how some of the things that I would share, some of the things that I would teach were perhaps maybe damaging. Mm -hmm. Even though they came with the best intentions, I realized how they could be potentially problematic. Um, and I guess we'll kind of get into the kind of nuances of all that um, as we chat. But yeah, I guess in a roundabout way, that's kind of how everything started to unfold for me. And over the last couple of years, I kind of moved I didn't move away from yoga, like the yoga practice and movement has been such a huge part of my offerings, but moving into um, sexual wellness, I'm, it's kind of, how do I then bring everything back together under that trauma-informed framework to really support people? Yeah, so I hope that kind of answered your, your question. <laughs> yes, definitely, and I love it. And for me too, like it, there's not like one specific event where, you know, the sky opens and you're like, wow, this is what I've been meant to do for the rest of my life. And I believe like one of the previous um, guests, it was the same. It was just like a kind of a, a chain of events that led us to being and doing what we're doing now. So I think it's lovely. And I love what you mentioned about like taking yourself the responsibility of looking at how you might have been contributing to without like you said like with, without bad intentions like still maybe being part I don't want to call it the problem but part of the topic of someone not feeling safe and I I recognize that in my classes or even with my clients I think with the clients it's maybe a little bit easier but during classes like even if I always have the best intentions maybe sometimes using a word somewhere that you know didn't come out the way you intended or even was taken the wrong way or like interpreted in, a, in another way than how you meant it and I feel like I believe that we're always learning and I think being aware that things even if we have good intentions sometimes is not good enough I think is a very valuable thing to have not only for us as coaches and yoga teachers but for everyone out there because we're always in contact with other people and we don't know what might be triggering to someone even if we have the best intentions and what I say lately a lot is I think nowadays ignorance is not an excuse anymore you know we can't blame it anymore on on not knowing like it is our jobs in a lot of different areas to inform ourselves so we can be as informed yeah as we possibly can and accept that we will always be learning so thank you so much for 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 sharing that i'd like to dive in a little bit into the word trauma and the many misconceptions there is about trauma would you talk a little bit about how you define i know like words have a very specific meaning to different people but maybe what your understanding is 
of it, how you use it in your practice um, for yourself, but with your clients, and maybe how that understanding has helped you and your clients to maybe heal certain parts? Yeah, this is such a good question and such an important one because you are right. Trauma has become a buzzword. And I will be completely honest and transparent and say that if trauma hadn't become a buzzword, if trauma wasn't in the view of everybody, then I maybe wouldn't have even kind of ventured down this path. So I don't think trends, I'm going to call it a trend because, you know, the word trauma, it kind of has become a trending topic, a trending word. I don't think that's a bad thing. And yeah, my understanding of what trauma is, I like to talk about trauma as essentially what the body holds in response to an adverse event, right? An adverse experience, an experience where someone felt like they didn't have a choice, where someone felt helpless or hopeless. There's an amazing psychologist. She does a lot of work um, on polyvagal theory and yoga. Her name is Dr. Arielle Schwartz, and she's in the US. And she's a beautiful, amazing, incredible woman. And she describes a traumatic event as something that essentially is too much, that just happens too fast. And it triggers the nervous system to mobilize into any number of responses. So that could be um, your fight or flight response. It could be the fawn response. It, It could be shut down. Any number of responses. And essentially where the body comes in, my my understanding, um, looking at trauma through a somatic lens, my understanding is that when the nervous system um, mobilizes into this maybe, let's say, fight or flight response, and it's not resourced correctly, it's not moved through the body correctly, it gets truncated and it gets stuck in the body. That is then how trauma then essentially repeats itself it's not it's not released effectively and it essentially then affects individuals abilities to cope um, in normal situations it affects the way that we can regulate our emotions and it also really has a big impact on our relationships and forming healthy relationships so that that would be my sort of understanding of trauma I think it's really important to, to note that trauma is not You may have heard this before. I think it's a very famous saying. I think it was Dr. Peter Levine who said it. Um, Trauma is not what happens to you. It is how your body responds to what happened to you. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of talk. A lot of people like to reference, you know, big T trauma and little T trauma. And I think in a therapeutic environment, when you're working with a therapist, who is really trained in this area, that can be helpful. There are reasons why they label specific traumas as they are. However, part of me thinks, um, this may be a personal belief, that in a coaching capacity, we're not therapists. Um, you know, we, we're, well, I mean, some, some people are trained in therapy, obviously, but in my case anyway, I'm not a therapist and I'm not a psychologist. And I don't like the terms big T trauma and little T trauma because 
It doesn't matter how the external world perceives what happened to you. It doesn't matter if someone else sits there and says, well, your trauma is not as big as mine because the event wasn't as bad as what happened to me. It's like, okay, maybe, maybe it wasn't, but it doesn't matter because it's how your body perceives that trauma. And I personally believe that everybody has a choice of how they want to define trauma and how they define um, how they essentially, they get to decide what that means for them is what I'm trying to say, Yeah. right? A lot of people don't like to identify with the word trauma. I personally don't identify as someone who carries a lot of trauma, but that doesn't mean that things haven't happened to me. It, you know, it's just a thing that you, you can choose, people can choose. And I think um, that's a really big point that I'd also like to bring into the conversation um, is that aspect of choice. And that's how a lot of trauma occurs when there was no choice. So that's something that in the coaching capacity has to be brought back in, um, that choice and that empowerment for people. And that's kind of builds on the framework of the number one way that I would support clients, the number one way that I, I guess, um, provide support to myself is always knowing that there is a choice and being empowered to make those choices. Yeah, I love that. And that's beautiful. And I think my beliefs or my view or my perspective joins yours as of there's no scale on your trauma is worse than mine so mine is not I'm not allowed to feel a certain way and I feel like when we do that it can cause a lot of shame around it um, and I think it really depends on that person and each individually views her own experience and I think for me I never identified as someone that had um I think you called it adverse experience I never saw myself as having those or having had those kind of experiences and and still in a lot of situations I was easily triggered and my body responded to things and I think for me learning or understanding that anything can be a trauma if you want to use that word and there's no not acknowledging it just because I feel it wasn't bad enough what happened to me and I think that was really helpful for my healing to see whatever happened that I didn't have the tools in that moment to process to have a choice to say no or whatever it was or like for whatever reason was very empowering to accept that this is how I feel this is how I reacted to this is what I carry with me so I think that understanding can be quite helpful for the listeners as well it's not a matter of what happened is how you and your body responded to it so I think that's very helpful for them um so you've mentioned before um, trauma-informed approaches, and I know it's something you use in your work with your clients, in your yoga classes. And I would like to ask you if you can tell us a little bit more about what that means, but also maybe how it is relevant not only for coaches and therapists, but for anyone, you know, that is in contact with family, with partners, with children, even maybe. Yeah, I would love 
for you to talk a little bit about trauma-informed approaches and, and how you view it and what that means to you. Yeah, amazing, beautiful question. Um, so I think that the understanding, having more of an understanding of what trauma is, I believe it immediately creates more compassion, right? And I'd say that is quite possibly the number one reason why it's amazing for it would be amazing for everybody to be trained in trauma aware care everyone in the hospitals everyone um in i mean i don't know maybe not maybe not restaurants and shops <laughs> but you know at any point of contact where someone needs support where someone needs help people need to really know um what trauma is because if you think about it, most trauma is created from other humans and from other human-created systems. That's where a lot of trauma is created. And with regards to having a trauma-informed approach, something that is, I think, really important that I'd really like to speak on is the fact that this is not trauma processing. So... A business with a trauma-informed approach, it does not mean that that individual or that organization should be healing trauma. They shouldn't be saying that they can heal trauma because it's not, it's not the same thing. I think that's a really blurry line because, because it became such a trending topic and such a buzzword, there's a lot of individuals in the wellness space that are co-opting the language telling people that they can heal trauma, but that's not what trauma-informed approaches is. So this is kind of what I really want to talk about um, and why it's really important because I think there is a bit of a misunderstanding in the industry of what being trauma-informed means. It doesn't just mean, it doesn't mean that you can help someone move through trauma. That is the job of a therapist. That's the job of, you know, a psychologist. Trauma really has to be addressed um, through the support of a trained professional. I would never try and guide anyone through their through processing trauma because it needs to happen slowly. It needs to happen on their terms, and it needs to happen really with someone who just one hundred percent knows what they're doing. So, really, what a trauma informed approach means, my understanding of it, is that. I have a framework that respects my own limits and my client's own limits. It means that my whole business has adopted this framework and it centers around a few different really key principles. Those principles are things like choice and empowerment, safety and emotional safety and physical safety, trust and transparency, collaboration, and potentially even peer support. It's about having processes in place throughout the business from top to bottom. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, the reality is that most marketing and business methods violate those principles and mm -hmm. most spiritual beliefs and a lot of coaching methods also violate those principles. So it's about understanding how trauma occurs 
understanding how it can impact an individual, how it can impact societies, but also how it can be created by individuals and by societies. It's recognizing the signs and symptoms, recognizing the effects of trauma on the brain, on the nervous system, on someone's behavior, understanding when it's too much for you to be able to support someone when they need to be referred out. And another key point is that it's really about understanding the potential for re-traumatization and ensuring that your services and business policies completely mitigate that risk, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, I want to say that this is this is a learning curve for me. I'm not perfect. My business is not perfect. I still have a lot of learning that I need to do around what really um, it means to have a trauma-informed uh, business model. And it's hard. It's very, very hard because it essentially goes against a lot of what we're taught on business, a lot of what we're taught on marketing. It goes against a lot of coaching principles that we learn. And even yoga principles, you know, there a lot of um, when I went through my training, there was a big portion of the training which was dedicated to hands-on adjustments. And it's like, let's just think for a second about how hands-on adjustments can re-traumatize someone. If they don't feel safe, they don't feel like they have choice. And that's kind of the number one thing because they don't feel like they have the choice to be touched or not to be touched. And that's dangerous. And that doesn't foster a safe and empowering environment for someone. And okay, for people who maybe don't, maybe don't have signs of trauma in their body, yeah, okay, maybe that's fine. Maybe they're okay going into a class and being, you know, being touched and moved. And that's okay if that works for some, you know, it used to work for me. I used to love hands-on adjustments. Um, I don't so much anymore. I like to be kept to my space. And um, I've even had uh, some teachers say things like, oh, raise your hand or, you know, signal, signal to me if you don't want to be touched. I signal to them and yet they, it's like they forget and they still come over and give me a hands-on adjustment. And it's okay for me. I know how to manage it. I know how to resource myself, but like if you if you can't actually implement what you're asking then you need to completely lay off it altogether i guess that's kind of a different topic i digress but <laughs> <laughs> i love it though it's a very important topic because i mm. i agree like asking for permission is very important and i wonder what your view is on that to say that asking permission is something that everyone should do not just teachers not but like just regular human beings ask if it's okay to I don't know touch someone if it's okay for to ask a question especially if we know like you wouldn't ask like can I ask you a question if you want to ask them if they want to have dinner (laughs) um but you know like maybe sensitive topics and that's something I've been doing a lot with my friends in the kind of similar industry is like can I ask you a question on what you said? Or would you like to hear my opinion? Um, Would you like to hear my perspective on it? And asking if it's okay for us to, to share. Would you say that's something that joins like kind of the, the trauma informed practices that like everyone could apply in their lives? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's a really important point. Everyone needs to have autonomy over their own body and their own life. And, you know, 
it's like a it's like a savior complex like if someone went what you mentioned about you know asking or are you okay if I share my opinion with you are you okay if I offer you some advice I think that's incredibly important and I love that you mentioned that because it's it's like a human condition to want to help but very often what that person who is seeking help or just seeking counsel of any kind what they don't need is a load of advice fired at them. What they need is someone to sit with them and listen to them and hold them, be with them in their discomfort, if that's what the case is, um, and not try to fix them. And because as soon as you try to give advice and as soon like that's unsolicited, that's unwelcome, they, you know, sometimes if they haven't come to you for advice and we instantly start sharing it. Um, or, you know, you mentioned about touch. If we instantly go in and give them a hug, it's like that may not be what they need. And in that moment, it's disempowering because we've then created an environment that they don't then have agency over what they're sharing, first of all. Um, and it's a very it's a very, very fine line because even when we're talking about asking for consent, are you okay if I give you an adjustment? Are you okay if I hug you? Even asking for consent, if we've not built up that space of safety where they feel like they can even say no, that's another layer of potential re-traumatization because it's that fawn that, you know, that's kind of when perhaps that fawn response comes in. It's like, I don't really want you to hug me, but yeah, you can hug me because you're asking and I have to say yes because I don't feel safe to say no. And it's so layered and so complex that, yeah, everyone should be asking these things. And, you know, I make mistakes sometimes if I, if I have a friend and I've known the friend for ages, I'll go in, I'll give them a hug, I'll forget that, oh, maybe I should ask if they want a hug. And, you know, it's, it's about being forgiving of ourselves as well. Yeah, I love by all means not perfect either. And just like you said, sometimes it's a friend and you forget to ask and you just hug them. And I think it's completely normal. We're human. And like you said, to forgive ourselves is, is very important. But yeah, this idea that maybe someone doesn't need advice. And what I found a lot of times is that most people are not used to be asked, what is it you need? Like they come to you with a problem maybe they're heartbroken maybe they're whatever something happened and they come to you and they share but they are rarely asked well what is it you need so they don't really know and then you kind of throw the ball back at them and you're like okay would you like my support is that just me listening is that me just sitting with you is that um are you open are you ready for any opinion or suggestions and Usually the first time people are like, um, okay, I've never been asked that question. Like, I don't know. And that's okay too. Like, I think it needs to happen more and more. And I think it needs to be more implemented in every kind of relationship to give them that option and that choice. Um, so it becomes more normal. And there's something else that I'd like to mention. And I'm wondering what you think of that. But I feel, and I've included myself in that in the past it's that it's very uncomfortable to sit with someone that's feeling pain that's feeling sadness that's feeling grief 
and that oftentimes then we act on giving advice on you know changing the topic or whatever because we don't know how to sit with their pain because it's uncomfortable to not do anything not save them and I think that some kind of I don't want to call it work but maybe practice that all of us should do to get comfortable sitting with someone that's crying sitting with someone that in pain that's grieving that angry but I mean I had to certainly learn (laughs) and for whatever reason maybe through the work I do or whatever like I've gotten very comfortable or as comfortable as I can get being with my own emotions or someone else's and I feel sometimes other people's emotions is even harder than your own (laughs) because we have that instinct like you mentioned before that we want to help them or save them what is your opinion or your perspective on that yeah I completely resonate with that and actually I'm really happy that you mentioned it because it's something that I think I may have forgotten to mention when I was talking about key principles of what um, kind of a trauma-informed framework is and that framework is being able to resource yourself taking care of yourself and actually being able to when someone else's emotions um, are getting a little bit uh, too much for them to handle can you actually hold that as well can you remain connected to yourself um, you know can you remain connected to each other whilst that's happening and it's a very very difficult thing especially for those of us who we're not trained in that you know and it is hard and I wouldn't expect everybody to suddenly know how to how to support people through trauma it is it's an ongoing practice but yeah you're you're right it's, it is very hard and I guess the first step um that we can all do for ourselves um and in the support of others is to become more comfortable first by being with ourselves uh, you know, we hear this all the time, <laughs> um, and, but it's, you know, it's so true. Like we have to be okay with our own emotions if we're ever going to be able to help guide someone through theirs. And that doesn't mean to say that we are purposely targeting the trauma to try and heal it, but um, it's this, this element is important because it means that if someone does enter into a state where they're struggling to regulate their emotions and they're struggling to get resourced, you need to be able to know how to hold that person. It doesn't mean that you it doesn't mean that you're helping them release it or move through it, but you can hold them until you know you're kind of able to uh, like we're able to move on. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. And I, I think I I can't remember who, but it was a psychologist that read that wrote a book for psychologists and how to keep their own self care as a priority. Um I'm not a psychologist, but I read the book and it was brilliant. I can't remember the name, but I'll I'll link it in the in the show notes. But it was so informative and I wasn't even coaching back then, but it was an amazing book and what she calls it is holding space just holding space just like giving them the room to experience whatever they need to experience without you projecting 
without you interpreting, without you helping. And I thought like these words are holding space. Um, they resonated a lot and I think they're very, very beautiful. And yeah, if anyone's interested by the book, um, I'll link it below if you want to read it. It was super helpful and it was brilliantly written. I understand that trauma requires a lot of sensitivity and potentially um, professional guidance, but is there any advice that you could give to our listeners of how to start safely, maybe explore the trauma in their bodies? Is it maybe it's too hard for you to give a general advice, but maybe there is something that everyone for themselves, not like giving advice to anyone, but just exploring the experience with themselves? Mm, yeah, great question. And I'd actually like to suggest taking it one step backwards. And instead of, so for, for your listeners um, who do want to start working with their trauma, I think the number one piece of advice that I would be able to give would be to don't don't go into this or don't go away from this podcast and with the intention that you're going to tap into some trauma to release it. I would say that that could be quite dangerous for yourself. What I would say is that you could start by building up, I, I call it a nervous system resourcing toolbox. And I think this is probably one of the best things that you can do on your own if, if working with a therapist isn't accessible to you because it's not accessible to a lot of people. Um, work on building up your tools for your nervous system. Um, and what that means is having a lot of different body-based tools that you know that you can turn to um, in times when you're feeling emotional flooding, when you're feeling, um, you know, anxieties start to creep in, you can turn to these tools. And, I'll, you know, I'll list a couple of my favorites. So one of my favorites is something called shifting sensory channels. And essentially, a lot of emotional flooding um, that happens with a trauma response, um, a lot of emotional flooding comes in through one sense, okay? So let's say it's a, it's, um, a sound that maybe triggered a sense, uh, that triggered the emotional flooding. Um, what you can do is you can have something nearby and you can shift your sensory channel. So let's say for me, it's an essential oil. I take my favorite essential oil that I know helps me feel connected and helps me feel grounded. And what you're doing is you're shifting your awareness to trigger a different sense and it takes away the emphasis from the other sense. So that's one way, shifting the sensory channel so you get back to this feeling of connection. Another thing that I love is um, the idea of having what's called a containment strategy. If you're starting to feel very overwhelmed, um, you could. this could even be an imaginary thing. So you could imagine that you've got a container that you put the thoughts in until you are ready to revisit those thoughts. This is where I think, um, as I mentioned earlier, it's very, very nuanced and the work is 
very challenging at times because a lot of the information I think that that swells around in the wellness realm is to sit with your emotions, to sit in the discomfort. Um, and yes, that is incredibly helpful. But sometimes the appropriate response is actually to move it aside for a moment. Maybe instead of having um, like an invisible imaginary container, if you want something more tangible, use a journal, write down the thoughts in the journal, close it, put it aside until you know that you can revisit that at a time when you feel more resourced or when you've got the support around to help mm -hmm. you. Um, and another one is moving, getting into your body and moving. Sometimes, you know, um, sometimes connecting to our breath can actually be a bit difficult for people. So even just moving, pushing your feet onto the earth, shaking your body, um, you know, it's, um, I can't remember who said it, but I think it was Dr. Ariel Schwartz actually, yeah, I think it was her. Um, it was a like a workshop that I did with her and she mentioned how a lot of the time feelings of anxiety and anger are your body's way of essentially trying to move that trauma out of your body. And what happens if you take, uh, let's say, like drugs, for example, medication um, to work through that trauma, essentially what medication does is it kind of inhibits those feelings and that response. So it then essentially stops stops the trauma from being released from your body. So that's another thing that I would say, if you are starting to feel overwhelmed, move your body, shake your arms, um, just dance a bit, just jump up and down, whatever you need to do just to feel a little bit more in your body. And sometimes sitting in the body is not accessible for some, that can be painful in and of itself which is where the other tool, tools come in. And I'm really happy um, if you wanted to, Dominique, if you wanted to like list a couple of them in the show notes or link a couple in the show notes like to a free um, toolkit, um, which has a list of a lot of resourcing exercises. Absolutely. I think that's, I definitely think that's the best way for people to start because what tends to happen is if you start to revisit trauma when you're not when you don't have the capacity to resource yourself when you don't understand how to regulate your own emotions or when you've not got the support of a caring other who can help you through that what's going to happen is the trauma it's going to be re-triggered and it's just going to keep looping it's going to keep looping and you're not going to be able to regulate the nervous system there's a beautiful lady I don't think it was Deb Dana. I can't remember her name. Anyway, Dion something, I think. And um, she had a really beautiful way of describing nervous system regulation. And she says it's not about finding calm. And I think that's a key thing that's really good for us to remember. Regulation doesn't necessarily mean that you find calm and that you find joy. It means that you find connection. Connection Love to that. yourself. It's a moment of connection so it means that you're able to remain in your body in connection with other people whilst things are going on and I think that's a really beautiful way because sometimes finding calm isn't accessible it's not easy to do you know if if your nervous system's up here and you want to try and bring it down here that's going to take a while but can you at least remain connected um, yeah. And I think that's the... That's beautiful. I love everything you said. And I think those tools you mentioned to, yeah, get in 
back into that connection are absolutely beautiful and I think I'm even going to try a few out myself for myself um, and yeah I'd love to link that free resource you have on them because I think it's very valuable for the listeners to have something they can go back to if they don't necessarily want to re-listen to the whole podcast so thank you very much for that I'd like to give my listeners the chance to find you if they'd like to connect if they'd like to work with you um, how can they find you maybe on Instagram or a website whatever you'd like to to share so people can get more of your beautiful wisdom Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so I'm pretty much I'm on Instagram. Um, it's at Jambaliki. So that's G-E-M-B-A-L-I-C-K-I. And you can also find me at my website, which is just jambaliki.com. G-E-M-B-A-L-I-C-K-I.com. <laughs> uh, I don't know, um, you know, depending on when this uh, particular episode is released, kind of... Um, in the process of updating a few things um so i'm always open for one-to-one clients i don't currently have any programs or anything at the moment i'm kind of my big thing is working on a free a free resource um for trauma support which which individuals could use alongside their trauma processing with um with a therapist yeah so that's kind of the main key thing i'm working on um at the moment but uh yeah thank you well thank you that's beautiful i'm gonna link it in the show notes as well so they can just click on the link and find you if they're interested to know more um again thank you so much for everything for those beautiful moments it was very inspiring and um it was good to have a new understanding so thank you so much yeah you're so welcome Thank you. And thanks for having me once again. I love the conversation. (laughs) Beautiful. See you soon. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you, beautiful soul, for being here with me this week. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and to follow me on Instagram at uniquely.nikki. See you next time.